Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, back with another jam-packed edition of the Wednesday Pod. Yes, the Hawani Show, and what a great show we have planned for all of you. Four very different, four very unique, eclectic guests on today's program. Stay tuned for those guys. I'm very excited about today's show, and I think you will like it a lot. Like it a lot. I think you will like it a lot. But first... Uh, I do want to let you know about First Take, Her Take. Have you heard it yet? It's a great show, one of ESPN's newest podcasts. It's generating a lot of buzz around these parts, so I suggest you check it out, along with Stephen A. Smith's new podcast, which features the best interviews from his new ESPN Plus show, Stephen A.'s World. This week on the pod, Stephen A. talks to Snoop Dogg himself. Yes, the uh, former boxing commentator. Of course, he called the Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. fight back in November. Anyway, it's all very exciting stuff. Check out Stephen A's World wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to today's program, which may contain some language that is not suitable for all audiences, so listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Back in your life on this Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the show. And like I said at the very top, we got a lot to discuss on today's program with a lot of interesting people. Of course, I'm Ariel Hawani. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all safe and sound. Very excited about today's show because it features a wide range of, uh, of characters. I mean, you talk about characters in this sport. One of the first names that come to mind Sage Northcutt. Remember Sage Northcutt? He was just a youngster. He was a teenager when he came on the scene back in uh, 2015, at least in the UFC, uh, a product of the Dana White looking for a fight show. They were very much behind him. They were trying to get him a fight almost every single month. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out for him in the UFC. People forget that he left the UFC on a three-fight winning streak, eventually signed with, uh, with one championship a few years ago. And then, of course, his debut in one went horribly, horribly wrong. He fought at 185 pounds, which was not the right weight class for him. He got knocked out for the first time in his career in 29 seconds, suffered eight facial fractures as a result of that knockout of Cosmo uh, Alexander. But he is back and he's got some news to share. He's back on April 28th, going up against the MMA legend, the Japanese legend himself, Shinya Aoki, on the one on TNT4 card coming up. They're doing four shows on TNT on Wednesday nights in April. Um, DJ, Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, Sage, Shinyoki, they're all going to be featured on those live cards, by the way, three-fight main cards. So that's very exciting stuff. And we'll talk to Sage about that and his return. I haven't talked to him in over two years, so very excited about that. We'll also talk to Dan Hooker, who is currently in uh, in quarantine in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, Before his fight against Michael Chandler, we spoke a bit about what he'll have to go through on the back end of the fight. And uh, he has been away now from his family for 46 days, um, had to wait in the UAE after the Chandler fight in order to get a slot to come back home. They're uh, a lot more strict about all this coronavirus stuff over there in New Zealand as, as, as opposed to here in America. And so he, he left um, just a few days ago and now is in a hotel 
can't see his family, or at least he can see them from 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 the outdoors. There's a fence dividing them. Can't get close to his daughter. I mean, it's heartbreaking stuff. He he shared a clip, uh, a photo online, and uh, it just you know, as 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 a human, as a as a father, as a parent, it uh, it breaks your heart. So he's handling it amazingly well. And I wanted to talk to him about that, and of course, the loss of Chandler. So that's coming up as well. We shall also talk to Dominic Cruz, who's returning to action on March sixth uh, at UFC two fifty nine. He's fighting Casey Kenny first time. In six and a half years, that Dominic Cruz is fighting in a non-title fight. First time in six and a half years that he's fighting on the prelims. Last time he did so, 2014 against Takeo Mizugaki, the greatest bantamweight champion of all time, coming off that loss to Henry Cejudo back in May. Curious where he's at, how he feels about fighting on the prelims, why Casey Kenny, all those things and more. What a great card 259 is. And he's a big reason why. But first, let us talk to Max Holloway. I haven't talked to him since his big win over Calvin Cater. What a performance that was on ABC. The output, the uh, the speed, the damage. I mean, everything. It was uh, it was it was a masterpiece. It really was. And uh, curious how he feels about the win a month later. Curious how he feels about the featherweight title picture. Conor McGregor, of course. All those things and more. We discuss with the one and only Max Blessed Holloway. Enjoy. One thing that was said after your fight, after your win over Calvin Cater, was best Max Holloway performance of all time. And sometimes we are victims of the moment, right? And and we forget what happened two, three years ago. How do you feel about that statement? Do you feel like that was your best performance or do you feel like that's unfair to some of your previous great wins? No, I, I, I think... Uh... I think that was that was really my best performance out there. I mean, we get better every time, right? That's what you did, and uh, and and to do it against a guy like Kelvin Cater, who who many uh, who many hold him as one of the uh, the great boxers in our not in our division and all of USC, and uh, to have that uh, performance against him was great, you know. But like I've been telling everybody, it takes two, man. It takes two to tangle. Calvin deserves just as much praise as uh, as I do, man. He's in there taking it. He's in there giving it too at times. So nothing but respect to him. But I, I think uh, I really believe that was my best performance for sure. Wow. Okay. Well, that is a big statement considering some of your other performances. Um, you said all the right things going into the fight. But now after the fight, could you tell us, considering how your last two fights went, especially because they were for the belt, did you have a chip on your shoulder? Like, did you have something to prove? Did you want to show people that, you know, Max isn't done and that he really isn't, you know, kind of in some people's eyes, the, the uncrowned champion? Come on now. You you had something to prove, right? And I, I didn't have nothing to prove. I just, I just, I knew what I'm capable of. And I just wanted to show people what I'm capable of. I wanted to show my loved ones what I'm capable of, my coaches, you know, my, my, uh, my fiance. She sacrificed so much for me, the, the whole camp. She does so much for me. She cooks foods for me. She does everything. She, she takes the shit from me. So, I just I just had a lot to prove. Not to not to not to any any naysayers. I just had a lot to prove to my loved ones and to my family and everybody who was uh and to my team who was sacrificing a lot for me. You know, and um, I went out there and I did my thing. You know, it's just you, people. You know, performers, whatever athletes, they just have these nights. You know, these nights that they're just on you know and that was one of my nights man I just felt on I felt good I felt like there's no way no one in the world was stopping me in that night and uh everything went good and all, all the gears was turning the right way and uh I felt great 
that, that was actually my next question. I, I've heard athletes talk about this, like basketball players. They say, oh, the hoop felt like an ocean, right? Like I just couldn't miss. We, yeah. We've seen this. We've heard this from them. What is it like as a fighter? Can you even describe what it feels like to be in that kind of zone? I, I mean, I was just, I mean, the zone I was in, I was just, I was having the time of my life, man. I was just enjoying. Uh, I felt like I, I, like, you know, when you just, when you have a really great cupcake, I guess, and when you take that first bite and you're just like, you know, fireworks and all kind of stuff is going off in your head. That's, that's how it felt, man. It just felt like, man, I could have done anything. You know, I could have done a, a karate kick, a karate kid, uh crane kick. And I think it would have land. That's just how I felt. I just felt, I just felt like I was on, I was untouchable in there at night. We made a big deal about you guys being the first, you know, group of fighters, MMA fighters to fight on ABC. Have you noticed a trickle down effect at all? Like, do you, did you, after that fight, did you feel like more people were reaching out to you, talking about you when you came home? Like, did it feel bigger than your typical big time UFC pay-per-view fight? Oh yeah. Oh yes. I mean, like I said before, I was telling you guys after the fight, like there's a lot of pay-per-view guys that would kill to be in that position to fight to headline and stuff. I know a bunch of a bunch of guys who would want to be on ABC versus headline and pay-per-view. You know, it's just big. It's different. You know, you get to put you get to be among names like uh Muhammad Ali and, and Sugar Ray Leonard, all the all these these guys is like we, this is in the history books forever. You know, no one's ever gonna be able to take that away from me. And uh and I feel it, man. I feel it, you know, from from who's who, um, brand new fans, people, people hitting me, never ever watched MMA, they watch my fight. And I see them complaining on stuff and be like, ah, first fight I watch is Max's fight. And now I'm watching this, you know, like I'll, I'll, they're comparing fights. I'm like, nah, no, don't, don't worry about it. It gets better. I promise. And um, it's just crazy. Yeah, it, does, it did trickle a lot. It trickled a lot in many different ways. And, uh, and I'm just enjoying the ride. At any point in that fight, did you think to yourself, they should stop this? He's taking too much damage, whether it's the referee or his corner? Man, you know, it's just... I sometimes I when I saw it I rewatched the fight I rewatched the fight only one time, and there was moments when he was like you know doing doing the robot and stuff and he was clearly hurt, but the dude is Boston strong man the dude is Boston strong man you know and um his coaches know uh his coaches see him in the gym see what he can do and uh, know what he can do so you know and and Herb was giving him a chance his team was giving him a chance that and. I'm nowhere to talk on it. You know, I'm a fighter, you know, I would, I would love to be in there just like how he did. And he just Boston strong, man. They built different, man. They, you know, Qatar is just, just built different. That's all I can say. Were you genuine? I feel like you were, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Were you genuine about sticking around to slide in for the following week's main event? Like, did you really feel like that was something that you could pull off? And did you ever actually seriously bring that to the UFC's attention? Oh Yeah. I mean, you saw me on my skateboard. Huh? <laughs> the hell am I skateboarding around I was, uh, the W for, you know? So we was really there, man. We was really about it. You know? I was really about that life, man. You know, I, it's a fight. It's a fight. You know, I, I, I can't wait. You know, you tell me I'll fight, I'll, I'll fight. You know, a lot of people was uh, kind of tripping out about the cater fight that I took. But it's like, man, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And the best is blessed. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's... Uh, if you want to be a number one pound for pound uh, guy in the world, I think those are the stuff that solidifies yourself. You know, a lot of these guys, I was talking about the pound for pound rankings with someone, and I was saying, like, you know, a lot of these guys is like, are you in the pound for pound ranking? You never even, you never even dabble in another class, or you didn't even talk about going to another class. If you're just staying in your lane, then 
it's not a number one pound for pound guy. I think, you know, a number one pound for pound guy is someone who is willing to fight anyone, you know, anyone, any weight class, anytime, anywhere, you know, and that's to come. People call me crazy, but, you know, DC, DC could get that work at that one time, you know, but mm-hmm. I know he's a man. I'm leaving alone. Enjoy your Dr. Pepper DC. All love, bro. And, uh, Make sure they send me a package my way too. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how, how soon, I think that's coming. Uh, how soon do you think your next lightweight fight happens? Like what, what, how, how many more months, years? Like when do you want to get back to lightweight? Uh, you, know, you, you know, the people at, at UFC, they, they always ask me when, when I'm getting back to, to 55, you know? And um, I think so. The question is, they want to see when I com- commit to 55. Like actually when I'm going to fully commit to 55, you know, uh, you know, when we took that, uh, that Dustin fight was like on a two months notice, a little bit under two months, we did that fight. And then two months later I was fighting back at 45, you know? So the intriguing question to everybody is, or, or to them, or people want to see is like, when is Max going to commit to 55 fully and not do this jump around stuff? So, I mean, let everybody wonder, right? So we see what happens. I know I was going to actually ask you that question. When is Max going to commit to 55 and not jump around? We, we see what happens. We see. And do you just turned a question that I asked into a question, <laughs> a rhetorical question back to me. <laughs> exactly. We see what happens, man. That we see what happens, you know, time, time tells all. So I, I I'm just chilling. I'm, I'm waiting and uh, we're going to find out. At some point though, you think you'll end your career there? Uh, for sure. For sure. I think at some point, I think so. I end my career around, uh, around, at, at 55, a fully committed 55, or maybe even a fully committed 70, who knows, you know, but um, that's, that's what I see, you know, we, we see what happens, you know, it's just commitment. My coaches, they want commitment. I want commitment. UFC want commitment. Seems like you want commitment. So I mean, see who what doesn't, happens. what do you, could I ask, uh, you know, and, and if you don't want to answer totally fine, what do you walk around at? Like how much do you weigh right now? You know, I'm in LA right now. So I got the LA vibes right now. So I'm in Hollywood. So Hollywood, you don't really say too much, you know. You just let okay. people. <laughs> no scales there in your hotel room. No scale. I haven't seen a scale for for months. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering because one set, like 155, I I understand 170 though is a pretty big jump from where you're at now. Yeah, I mean, you see what happens, you know. I, like I said, I, I love food. DC yeah. know I love food. I sure. keep talking about for eating everything that I work for, <laughs> and uh, and we see what happens, you know. The time will tell all, and. Um, I, I'm, I'm just loving it right now. How how was the cut? Like this past cut, how was it for you? Great. I mean, super great. I mean, we keep, we just keep. I'm not gonna lie, it sucks. It's a cutting weight, you know. But we keep finding out little tricks and trades that make it, make it a little easier. But it's still tough, you know. what I mean, it's still a tough cut, and um, I just I felt good, man. I, I mean, my my strength and conditioning went good. My nutrition went good. Like I said, my. My fiance really got me on the right track with eating right and even out, out of season eating right. So I, I just, everything is just firing on all cylinders right now. Um, wanted to ask you a two-part question. A, can you confirm that was in fact you uh, on the skateboard during that Conor McGregor interview with mm-hmm. uh, Farhan Noon? Because it's a very funny clip. I'm sure you uh, saw it. He says that Max Hall, was that in fact you on the skateboard? Oh, 100%. It was funny because when we was riding, I was riding my skateboard and then I just so happened, like, uh, we know where all the UFC stuff is. Yeah. You know, right. like from the windows and stuff. And we had to go all week. And I was just telling one of them, I was like, 
it'd be so funny. We were like bombarding someone's interview, and I was like, because I was acting stupid riding my skateboard, like on top of the wheel, like doing like stupid movements. And then, of course, Connor's the guy in him. I'm like, oh man, that planned out well, I guess. Uh, did you actually see him because you were in the same hotel? Did you have any interactions with him? No, I didn't run into him at all. I didn't see him. No, I wasn't able to see him at all. And I, I, uh, I only ran into uh, his coach. At, 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 we was eating. We was eating dinner at one of the places when we was downstairs. Uh-huh. Uh, John uh, Kavanaugh and he, John had his baby. His baby's a little cute little thing. So that's what's up. Okay. Um, what did you think of his performance against Dustin? What do you think of how that fight played out? I mean, I was I was tripping out when when you see it when you see it happen. You know, Dustin went in there, did his thing, and uh, Connor came out and, and and owned it. You know, it's just he did what he did. You know, Connor went out there. Um, thought so he could ha- he could do a certain way of fighting with um with Dustin, and Dustin reminded him that this is MMA. You know, and uh, I think so he got caught a little bit in that mindset of boxing, but Dustin did his thing, man. You can't take nothing away from the man. Yeah. So do you think he needs to maybe go back to his old striking style? That was the big talking point after the fight that he was too flat footed, too boxing, like, as opposed to his old bounce. Yeah, you know, his, his, own, his old way, he was a little bit more balanced and a little bit more squatty and, you know, kicky, you know, he, he got some great kicks. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what he needs to do to be honest. You know, I just, I just know that uh, he'd be back. He'd be better than ever. Like he always does. And um, we see what happens in the next few months. What happens? Who do you think wins the trilogy? And don't say the best man win. Like, who's your pick? You know both these guys very well. I I I don't know. You know, it's it's what guy shows up. You know, what I mean, it's what guy shows up that night. You know, and um, Dustin showed up one night. Connor showed up one night, and um, we're gonna find out who shows up on the third. Uh, and and you were pretty vocal about kind of being that guy that maybe can bring Habib out of retirement. Is that? It, it, like if you had a list, a bucket list of the guys that you want to fight before it's all said and done, is Khabib at the top? Uh, Khabib is uh, is one of them for sure. I mean, that's I, I I keep telling you guys, I want legacy fights. You know, I want fights that are going to cement my name forever in this sport, even when I'm long gone. And um, he's one of the guys that's up there for sure. You know, he did what he did. Uh, he's the number one pound for pound fighter in the world, and he's retired. You know, so that says a lot about the man. So. I, I would I would love to share the octagon. I know we're supposed to did that. Uh, uh, did it? We're supposed to run it one time. I I you know what I mean you can call me biased, but I think so. Mine's and his uh, press conference was the best press conference UFC ever saw in his lifetime. So I, I think it was great. Why do you think it was one of the best? I mean, weren't you there? I was there, but I want to know from yeah, your that opinion. Was, that, that was just crazy, man. We had the whole place bumping. It was not. Uh, <laughs> Khabib was actually name name a time. Let me see, Arrow. Name a time where Khabib actually talked to someone in a press conference. This guy was straight calling me all my shit, all, all the stuff. I was like, "Whoa, what is going on?" You know, so it was good fun. It was a you got to see emotion out of Khabib in that one. You know, like he he usually don't do like, "No, I'm just gonna smash you." That's all he says. You know, right, what right, I mean, right. this guy was actually like, we was actually having we was having the time of our lives out there. It was a fun one. Um, I, I don't want you to think that regret, I, I'm saying regret in the way that most people use the word regret, like, oh, I wish I could have done this differently. But the fact that that fight didn't happen and the way it went down a couple of days later, is that a regret, a big regret for you? Like, is that something that you still think about a lot? I mean, not really. I don't really think about it. You know, you, you live, you let go. You know, it happens. I, I believe things happen for a reason. That happened for a reason. Wasn't the right time, wasn't the right place for, I don't know what for. 
but it wasn't, you know, if it was, I would have made the walk and we would have did it. But, you know, some unfortunate things happened and I'm not going to, I'm not going to stew on it. You know, there's no, there's no reason to, you know, I have no control over it. You know, it's time, time to move on and uh, you got to move, you got to move on with it. Okay. Um, and of course I'm delaying the inevitable here, but the biggest question is you're fighting for the belt next, right? Like you're fighting the winner of Volkanovski Ortega. That's not a question, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Dana was pretty clear on what was next for me after my fight. You know, he did the media and this and that. And everyone knows that I'm the cloud, you know, I'm the cloud over the Alex and Ortega fight. So let just, let them just figure out and focus on each other. And then after all is said and done, the ring continues. So I can't wait. Uh, you obviously know both guys well. Do you have a sense as to who will win that fight next month? I mean, stalemate fights, man. Stalemate fights. You know, how much times uh, you see Ortega pull something out and then and then Alex is Alex, you know? So we see what happens. You know, I, I ain't got no favorites. These guys in my division. So <laughs> I really don't care, you know? All I, all, I, all I care about is staying focused, staying ready. Whatever happens, happens, and uh, I'll be ready. Is there a part of you that is hoping? It's probably going to be a lot easier to make the fight if Ortega wins, right? Because you have a win over him. I mean, he'll probably want the rematch as opposed to Volkanovski, who has the two wins over you. Are, are you hoping that Ortega wins so that there's no drama in making this title fight for you? I mean, I mean, drama sales, right? So, <laughs> I, 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 you know what I mean? I don't, I don't really care whoever who, you know, I'm not, I'm not rooting for uh, none of them more than the other guy. It's, it's just another fight to me, you know. It's a fight that I probably won't even watch, like I, like you guys know. And um, I'll just wait for the call, and, and we'll see where we get next, you know. And we just move on. That's crazy to me. Like, I can understand you not watching Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades, but a fight in your division, your title, you could fight the winner. Like, you won't even go out of your way to watch that. It's, it's on at, like, 6 o'clock in Hawaii. You got, like, prime time I mean, over there. I mean, I'd probably be, I'd probably be in Verdansk, running through some people, you know, Facebook gaming, Max Holloway official come to guys. All right. <laughs> Ask all you guys, you guys, the chat can let me know what's happening in the fight. I, I, don't, I don't care too much. You know, I guess, what is that saying? Um, what is that saying? There's that famous picture of um, Michael Phelps, right? Swimming, you know, and, and then there's a me, it's a meme. It's like the guy is looking at Michael Phelps on Michael Phelps is first place. When is focus on winning? You know, I, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on myself, what I can control. And, uh, Whatever happens, happens, and whoever do the thing does the thing, and uh, I'll probably wa- I'll probably have to watch it later because I'm probably getting ready for one of those guys. So we'll see what happens. I was told that there was a no MMA uh, talk rule in the chat, the Facebook gaming chat. Like you can't you can't talk to you about MMA. That's what I was told. Yeah, I mean, I know Ariel, you came through some of the Facebook <laughs> stuff with a couple burners. So come on, you you probably got banned really quick. I that. That's why. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I they, can just, they can let me know. I, I'm not going to talk to them, you know, but uh, people let me know. We talk here and here and there about the MMA stuff. But when, when some people get annoying, like, you know, we got a guy named uh, in there that we call him Kevin. And Kevin drops the hammer all the time, man. He's the hammer guy. So it's super fun. In a perfect world, when would you like to return to action? Um, in a perfect world, I would want to fight uh, uh, three times this year. We got one out the way. I would like to go summertime and then I would like to do what I usually do in, in December. You know what I mean? I, that's a perfect world. I want two more fights this year, hopefully some big ones. And you know, if it's Abu Dhabi, it's Abu Dhabi, but man, I miss Vegas. Please, 
please, uh, please put me back in Vegas, <laughs> put me back in Vegas. And uh, you know, hopefully uh, we, we, get, we see all these vaccines coming out. We see numbers are across the nation dropping low. And you hear people saying that April might be full open for a lot of States and stuff. So hopefully I get one back in Vegas in front of crowds, man. Cause the crowd, we had a very limited crowd that night in Abu Dhabi and it felt great, you know? So mm. coming back home, uh, being back in Vegas, the ninth Island, having some crowds, you know, you guys saw what happened the last time I went there with the crowds and how much Hawaiian pros was there. So it was just, it was just great, man. I, 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 I'm excited. I can't wait. Hopefully we can move on from this pandemic very soon and we can see fans back in the audience. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Who is the best boxer in the UFC? I mean, if we're talking about best boxer, you know, I'm the best boxer in the UFC, baby. <laughs> you know, uh, you know I, I guess so. Teddy Alice said it best, you know. Uh, the, a lot of people keep saying, oh, the power, this and that. But boxing is not about power, you know what I mean? Like, like this is Teddy Alice saying, like boxing is about boxing is about angles and IQ and setups and and there's so much more things. You know, a lot of people keep saying like you can't be the best boxer, you have no power. I'm like, I never know the best boxer in the world is a guy who's a power puncher. You know, like Floyd is considered one of the best boxers in the world, right? He ain't, he 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 got knockouts, but he's not a power puncher. It's all about setups, about it's about hitting, it's about angles, it's about this and that, it's about IQ. So. I might be biased, but I don't care. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to yeah, hold it. Sure. Someone, someone shows otherwise. I would have been disappointed if you did say yourself. I mean, that's that's the way you should feel about yourself. And and could I just ask last question? I lied. Yeah. Will you entertain anything other than a title shot net next? Like, is there anything even that is of remote interest compared to that? I mean, we see what happens. You know, we see what happens. You know, I, I'm just, I'm just going with the flow, man. You know, I, uh, I'm not a matchmaker. I don't know who's a matchmaker. The agent, my agent always calls me up and just tells me, hey, check your email. We got a contract in there. And that's how we go. That's how we do it. You know, like, like I said, a lot of people was kind of crazy that I took the care fight. I was like, why? Why are you guys tripping out? Like, it's a fight. It's a fight. Mm -hmm. It's what you got to do. And you got to, you got to continue on. You got to move on. You got to fight. You know, I mean, I, I ain't scared of hard work. You was there. You was there for for the for the winning streak where I had to win nine in a row to get 10 to get a fluke by by accident you know in in Toronto I love Toronto in, interim title shot you know thank you for the DC sneezing and throwing his back out you know thank the lord for that and then and then all the new belts came, and then the, the the real stuff came in so right. you know I, I ain't scared of hard work man so we see what happens do you have a wedding day yet we do not have a wedding date, and don't worry, Eric. You, you, I you feel might. bad. I, I was gonna feel bad because I didn't get to save the date yet. No, yeah, to... that's what I was gonna say. Don't worry, you're gonna get a save a date, Eric. I'm telling you, we we were waiting till every like. So we sat down with with my beautiful with my beautiful uh, fiance Alessa. I sat down with her, and we was like, yeah, like, you know, we was thinking like, let's have a small thing and this and that. So we came up with a list how much people we were gonna invite <laughs> each side, and her list was two hundred. And then my list is 200. I was like, yeah, I don't think we're having something small, honey. So um, we got to wait till this COVID thing passes by. So we're, uh, it's got, we're just uh, waiting to um, everything opens up again. And then you get your save date. Thank you. Yeah. I'm expecting like a Royal wedding. Like this is, you know, two of Hawaii's finest coming together. This is, this is a big deal. Like full, you know, wall to wall coverage, local news, helicopters, parade. I mean, I see what they do to you when you come back from a fight yeah. You know, there's a parade for you. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when, when you actually get married there. So 
Man, I hope I hope it's not that that crazy, man. We gotta be low key. So when you say the date, you better tell people the wrong date. Okay. <laughs> Max, pleasure as always. Congratulations on the win, my man, and looking forward to what's next for you. Thank you, brother. You have a good one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The one and only Dominic Cruz, kind enough to join me. Dom, how are you? Great. How are you, Ariel? I'm doing great. Great to talk to you. I haven't talked to you since uh, May of last year, so it has been quite a while. And, uh, of course, that was after the Cejudo fight. Uh, obviously, we see you from time to time in terms of uh, your UFC broadcasting work, but you've kind of laid low in the buildup to this fight as far as media is concerned. Any particular reason for that? Um. I mean, there's just not a lot to really, I do so much media aerial. Like I do, I film on Lock and Victory. Um, I'm on, I'm on color commentary pretty, uh, when I can in camp, it hasn't been as much. I, I've done one show. Um, and so I feel like people get to hear me all the time. Like they're probably tired of hearing me. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just leave them alone. I disagree with that. But, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people are curious, um, to hear your thoughts about this particular fight, because I'll be honest, when, when I got the information that you're fighting Casey Kenny on a prelim of, of a UFC pay-per-view, I was surprised. You know, you haven't been fighting the Casey Kennys of the world throughout, you know, your UFC run. And that's no knock on him. I just mean champion, former champion. He's a rising star. What was your reaction when you agreed to this fight and when it was offered to you? Well, I got offered um, like two people. You know, Shelby will give you like two two people. And or something like, uh, and, you know, I just fought Cejudo and after I fought Cejudo, that wasn't, those weren't the, the best circumstances. I had broken my left ulna. I had blown out my right shoulder and I'd been making a push. Like, you know, if I'm going to come back and make a run, I might as well go straight to the top right off the bat because everybody in the division is championship status. If I'm being honest and the top 15, uh, at any given time, you know, top 10, especially, but top 15, those guys are right there right in the cusp of being they all have the potential to become champion within the next three years or so, I would say um, from my perspective of watching the division, it's just, it's such a free for all in the division that I'm like, I might as well just go straight to the top. And um, <clears throat> so because of that, I, I just didn't have a lot of time to prepare for that fight. I took that fight on short notice. It was about, I think I had about five weeks of work, um, after a three-year layoff, I only sparred a handful of times. And, you know, one of my preparations, you hear a lot of guys say, I don't spar, I don't spar. I spar a lot. I, I need, I like to spar a lot to get my timing, to get my, <clears throat> excuse me, to get my rhythm, to get my, um, just to get the feel to, I'm, I work a lot off of, off of feel more than natural, I guess, ability, I guess you would put it. So without having that for the Cejudo fight, I knew I, I kind of went in on short notice because they closed all the borders down. I mean, it was the first fight that happened uh, since the, the pandemic and, you know, every sport was shut off. So I had no training partners for that. It was, it was a really, it was like one of the most dry camps I've ever had. Um, so it's just, I got the people I need now. I've gotten to put in 
since that fight, I've gotten to train consistently for about six months. I talked to my, I spoke to my coach, Eric Del Fierro, and he's like, you know, let's just keep you, keep you moving after that fight. Just keep training, 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 stay in the gym. I've stayed in the gym and now I've pieced together six months of constant, consistent training. Whereas, you know, before that fight, I literally sparred maybe 10 times after a three-year layoff. So it was not ideal um, for me. And, so then, that, and this one's good. Okay. And, and when you were offered, Casey, what was your reaction? Um, what are you going to do? Like I said, after that layoff, uh, real, realistically, when I, all right, when I fought Mizugaki, mm-hmm. I was on a three, I think a three-year layoff because of knee surgeries for that one. So Sean Shelby says, let's get you in there against, you know, a top five, top 15 guy and get the ball rolling, get you, get you fighting somebody instead of going straight to, you know, the top of the division, since you've been out so long and you're not really ranked that high, let's, let's get you in there against somebody who's not ranked that high, not, not the highest rank at that time. It was Mizugaki. He was on a five fight winning streak um, at that time and had been, pretty much beating people up pretty well. And I was like, okay, let's do it with this fight. Casey Kenny's on, I think on a two fight winning streak. And I watched him take two fights uh, back to back one in Abu Dhabi. And or I think they were both in Abu Dhabi, if I remember right. And he's from my hometown, Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like two, we got Tucson on the map. We got two guys from Tucson of all places in the world. I mean, that's insane to me. And um, let's, let's just make it happen. You know, I, I don't look at it as up or down because you got to remember, I'm only getting paid a certain amount. So uh, you get contractually with the UFC, you get a set pay per fight. It's not like if I fight a world beater, I'm going to get more money. It, I just get a set amount of money no matter what. And um, Casey Kenny's on a good win streak and he's confident right now and he's well-rounded. He's a Southpaw. If you look at the rest of the division, Peter Jan switches stance. He's a Southpaw. Sometimes he beat Aldo as a Southpaw after losing one round conventional, um, got his leg chopped off, switched to Southpaw and went on to finish Aldo that way as a Southpaw. Uh, you got more Southpaws coming into the division. And so, And like I said, I look at it from a very, you know, from a thousand yards away. I don't look at it as necessarily right here, right now. I look at how can I, how can I prepare myself for the rest of the division? And Casey Kenny is no easy test to me. I mean, some people are going to say what they're going to say, but they're not fighters. They don't, they don't know what this game is. And um, him being a Southpaw that wrestles and he's well-rounded and mixes it up. I think he's a good guy for me to, to face right now to also get used to other Southpaws in the division that can wrestle and that can mix it up. By the way, to give him full credit, he's actually on a three fight winning streak. So he's looked really good as of late. You're right about the Abu Dhabi fights. Um, I think some eyebrows were raised when you were on the feature prelim spot. I actually think that that's a great spot. More likely than not, more people will see your fight when you're fighting on ESPN on the prelims, as opposed to the pay-per-view. How did you take that? Did you, did you even care at all? It seemed like people were offended on your behalf, at least on Twitter, offended on your, how dare they put him on the prelims. I I mean, I got it. That's nice. I, you know, that's nice to people. It is. I'll explain to these people right now, the politics behind that position. That's actually, like you said, Ariel, probably the most seen 
position on the entire fight card. I'll have the most eyes on me. Like I said, I've been, I've had a pretty decent layoff. So let's get me in front of a lot of eyes is what I'm thinking. Um, Excuse me. At the same time, being in the prelims, that's an ego thing. Um, I really, I'm really like, you know, I'm not really attached to my ego at this point. I, I, I know what I am. I know the things that I've accomplished. Um, it doesn't affect me to be seen more and it, I will I'll be seen more, like more people will tune into that than they will the main card. You know, I'm right before the main card. So everybody's watching that one because it's the end of the prelims too. And it, it's kind of like the lead off hitter of a baseball team. I look at it. Everybody's, you know, that that's usually the, the fight that people want to see almost every single time they put these cards together. I'm excited to be in that position. Um, and to not be on the main card, like I said, I don't get paid more. If, if, if I'm on the main card, I get paid, you know, none of us fighters get paid any different, whether we're on the main card or the prelims. So if people want to stand up for anything, stand up for that, stand up for, you know, if the guys are on the main card, pay them the most amount of money, I guess, if if that's something to stand for, but really I get paid the same, regardless if I'm on the bottom of the prelims, the top of the main event. I'm on, I'm on a set contract. So really what matters is getting in front of the most eyes. And I believe that position gets more eyes than any other position of the entire fight card. It's, it's, it's logical. Um, when you won the, uh, the Pantomweight championship in WC, even when you came over to UFC, Casey Kenny hadn't even debuted yet. You've been doing this since 2005. You're entering your 16th pro year. How much longer do you want to do this for? Are you still enjoying it as much as, as, as you did back then? I do enjoy it. Uh, I don't, I don't have an answer for how much longer I want to do this. I just take it one fight at a time right now. I, I like you hear so much. I, my body feels good. I feel good. I'm, I'm going through the, the practices. I'm getting through the camps. A three round camp was much easier to get through than a five round camp. I'll tell you that right now, like much easier. It, it's not even comparable. Um, because those extra two 10 minutes of fighting in camp, I mean, you actually, it's, it ends up being two fights. It ends up being 15 minutes because you got to do six rounds to prepare for five. You got to do four rounds to prepare for three. So, uh, and that's in camp. That's in just practicing. So um, I don't have an answer for how much longer I'm going to do this, but I feel really good. My body, I'm going into this fight healthy with no like dings, no injuries. So that's a first. I mean, I got a little baby cut over my eye, but it's healed. And um, I just want to go out there and do my job, you know, and find and see the truth. What a, what a blessing to be able to see the truth where nobody can cancel anybody because their feelings are hurt. Man, what a great thing. That's why we do this. And lastly, uh, Casey did an interview with MMA Junkie recently, and he talked about how you were calling one of his early fights I don't know if it was his debut, but certainly early in his UFC career. And you were critical of his wrestling, but he did eventually get taken out. Like he said, he gives you props. You called it like you saw it, but he has used that criticism as motivation. Him up against the cage, his wrestling. You you were calling the fight and you were saying that he needed to do X, Y, and Z differently. And he's used that as a little motivation going into his fight. Do you even remember that, A? And B, do you think he has gotten better at that aspect of the game since his early run in the UFC? If I'm doing my job, I'm telling the truth. Like I just mm-hmm. said, that's the thing about this sport. You tell the truth. Uh, if I offended him, that's not my, 
uh, intention. My intention is to tell the truth. This is a fight. Um, right. Like I just, like I've said, said the whole time, and this is the game we play and this is what I love. I told my truth. He didn't go into that. What did he do? He took it like water off the duck's back. It rolled off. He made adjustments. This guy is on a three fight winning streak. He's made the adjustments in the grappling. He looks great on the fence. He looks great grappling. He looks great with his stand up, mixing it up. He switches stance. Yes, I think Casey Kenny has made vastly huge improvements in his game. Huge. And I believe that as a commentator, that's partially our job um, of course. is to keep it, keep it real. You know, one of the things from DC that I hear a lot is Dom's kind of serious and, you know, I'm just playing with him and stuff, but it's like, this isn't a game. When you see DC on fight week, he's not this jokey talking about being fat and that it's an advantage. He's not that funny guy. He's dead serious. Like I am. And I like to pay the same respect to these fighters on fight week and on fight night as if I was fighting myself because their head could get kicked off their shoulders. What happened to Frankie Edgar could happen to everybody. And it's not a joke to me. It's not a game to me. I study fights. I, I pay very close attention to each style because these fighters' lives are on the line. And I believe that. And when you see DC fight, he knows his fight's on the line. When you see him before a John Jones fight, when you see him before these main events with Stipe Miocic, he's not this funny guy that you're seeing on your show. This is retired DC you're seeing. So it's like, this is not a game that we're playing. So yes, I tell the truth. Yes, I keep it real. Yes, I keep it serious because it's a serious game we're playing. And I believe that I'm, I'm here for the fighters. I'm not here to hear myself talk. I'm not here to, to get, you know, just for, to toot my own horn. I'm here to, to show how great these fighters are. I'm here to stand for the fighters, that they're the best athletes, some of the best, toughest, most vigilant athletes on earth. Also very smart, a lot of us. So us not so much, but you know what I mean? And um, I'm here to stand for that. And uh, so it's an honor to be able to get to fight again. It's an honor to get to call fights. I take it very serious for that reason because it's life and death to me. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Now let us say hello to one of the best lightweights on the planet. What a journey it has been for Dan Hooker. Of course, we last saw him in action in uh, mid to late January when he fought uh, Michael Chandler at UFC 257. Unfortunately, things didn't go his way, but what a story he has to tell. And he's kind enough to join us here from his hotel room in New Zealand, in Auckland, to be exact. Are you in Auckland right now, Dan? Yeah, I'm in Auckland. So I, I was lucky enough. I got the I got the exact same uh, quarantine hotel that I got last time. It's like luck of the draw. You don't get to pick which one you go to. Right. Uh, so you, you kind of just pull it out of the hat when you arrive. So I got off. Got off the plane and I got the same one. So it's good. It's um, it's like right next to the suburb that I live. So it's like it's a lot easier for people to come down and visit me through the through the fence. 
Now, Dan, you know, you posted that picture once again of, of you looking at your family through the fence, reminded me of the picture that you posted in June. And I have to say, man, I, I give you so much credit. Like I see the smile on your face. I see the way you're handling this. It, it gives me anxiety knowing that you <laughs> and other people are going through this. You haven't seen your family, I think now in 45 days and you have 11 days left, right? If my math is correct from the picture you posted yesterday, how are you handling this? How are you dealing with all this? Um, it's what, it's what I signed up for. It's a, it's what I knew. I knew I was taking that risk when I took the fight. Um, and it's just, it's just part of the roller coaster of, of fighting under these times. Like they're, they're strange times, but I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that passes up opportunities like that. I'm lucky that my wife is, is tough as nails. You know, she's, she's been handling it real well. She's cool. She's, she's backing me 100%. So that, that makes things uh, a whole lot easier. This is like the hard part. It's been it's been quite a cool experience up until the the quarantine. You know, going over Fight Island. Fight Island was cool. I had fun on the island. Fight obviously didn't go the way. Um, but after that, I spent four weeks in in Dubai and found a, a cool gym, TK MMA there out in Dubai, um, with with a lot of guys that I've trained with in Tiger Muay Thai. Because obviously, they a lot of guys don't want to do the two week quarantine to get into Thailand, so they then they are going to Dubai and the UAE and and flying through there. So there's a lot of friendly faces of guys I trained with at Tiger Muay Thai. A lot of good level good level fighters. Um, you know, Brendan Longgain from um, PFL, Timothy Nayushenkin, who's fighting for the 1FC lightweight title. You know, so a lot of lot of friends, a lot of good fighters. So I was I was lucky enough that I had a good time there. Good, I've been on the mats wrestling and, and doing jiu-jitsu with those guys and just exploring the city. And I had a good four weeks. It's just once I got here, you know, once I got here, they they it's not good for the soul to be to be cooped up in a room like this. And and to be like there to see, especially I would imagine your daughter, she, she's so young and you probably just want to hug her and, and, and squish her, right. And kiss her. Can you describe <laughs> what that feeling is like to be so close to your loved ones, your wife and daughter, but not being able to actually touch them? It was, it was actually a bit surreal. Like my, my daughter's quite, quite funny. She's like completely uninterested in talking to me on the phone. People are like, Oh, you can talk to her on the phone. Like she's completely she doesn't like to talk on the phone, which I guess is a good thing. You know, she's not that interested um, in devices or anything like that. But yeah, that, that was weird because she hops out of the car and she was just, um, she was just confused. She's at, she's at an age now where she understands a lot of things and she can, you know, ask for things and have a conversation. So it's a lot harder than, than the first time. You know, the first time she was still a baby, she didn't really understand what was going on, but couldn't, um, couldn't really express it. But now she's just, She's just confused as as to why she, uh, why she can't why she can't come through this fence and give me a hug. But uh, 12, 11 more days, eleven more days. So I'm I'm counting down the days. Is this one of the hardest things you've ever been through? It's definitely new. Like it's a new experience. Um, I'm definitely taking them next time. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm I'm taking them next time. Um, I'm not doing the quarantine again. Wherever I go, I'm staying. Let's yeah. just say that I'm not. <laughs> I'm not coming back. It's funny, man, because you see, like, uh, you see how everyone else is going in the world. You see, like, the guys on some guys on Fight Island getting flown in on private jets. There's, I've seen them after, like, back in their countries, and they get bought cars and things like that. Um, 
we come back to New Zealand. I can't even get the Wi-Fi password at the hotel. So I, <laughs> I think my my citizen my citizenship will be up for sales. And now I'm joking. <laughs> but of course, you know, once you're out, life is a lot different over there than it is here, right? I mean, you don't even have to wear masks, from what I understand, right? Yeah, like it's a, it's just a completely it's just a completely different approach. Like everyone everyone's doing the best with what they have. You know, we're just lucky that we're a, a small island in the corner of the world, and so it's very easy for us to um, shut it off. And so New Zealand's just just chosen to go with an elimination strategy. So mm. it's, it's like whenever there's one or two cases, we'll just shut down and, and square them away and wrap it up. So you know, every every country's just working with what they you know doing the best doing the best with what they have. And so could you tell us what, what is the daily schedule? Cause I, I understand you're allowed to go for a walk outside for an hour in the morning. What are the rules? What are the do's and don'ts while you're in there for two weeks? Yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky that I'm at a, at a pretty cool hotel. Like uh, when Israel, Carlos and Brad came back, they were at one of the hotels in the city where there's no out, outdoor space. So they had to book in half an hour. I think they were allowed out like half an hour. And they, they don't want people sweating and breathing heavily on each other. So they they weren't allowed to, um, no vigorous exercise. So you couldn't run, couldn't do burpees, couldn't do push-ups or anything like that. But here, there's like a big open space where I can go out. Yeah, you just have to book in. So I book in um, just an hour in the morning. But you have to, any vigorous exercise, you have to do before 7.30 a.m. So you got like a window that wow. you can book your hour in 5 a.m. to 7:30 a.m. So you gotta early bird gets a worm. You gotta you gotta get out of bed if you wanna if you wanna go for a run. So you know I get out um, about six o'clock in the morning and, and start running and start moving around. Um, but yeah, after that you can get out and like see friends and family and, and walk around by you, but you can't um, exercise outside after that. And then the rest of the day, you're, are you allowed to go out as much as you want, or you can only go out during certain blocks of time? Yeah, you you have to you have to like book in like if if it's full then then you can't go out so you, you just have wow. to book in the time like I'll book in a time with my wife when she can come down or, or when friends want to visit you just you just book in a time so yeah it is it's funny man like it's a lot stricter than um than it was the first time the first time when I came through like it was still compared to this I thought it was I thought it was super tense last time but compared to this it's a it's a whole other level I think there were a few a few cases where it was getting getting out through the managed isolation facilities through the quarantine facilities. So now they've they got they're running like a real tight ship here now. You know, first first forty eight hours you arrive, you have to stay in your room until you pass the test, and then after day twelve to fourteen, you have to stay in your room as well. And and what are you doing in your room to pass the time? Um. Yeah, I'm not good. I'm not good at, at being cooped up. That's just uh, I love to be outside. I love to to I love to be training, interacting with people. So it's not it's not easy. It's not easy, you know. Um, but yeah, you just have to compare it. Like it's it's just what choice do you have? You're passing the time. You're watching TV. Or um, yeah, doing doing whatever you can. Twiddling thumbs. Um, so for those that don't remember, you know, we, we, we spoke about it and you spoke about it with other people as well, that the reason why you had to stay in Abu Dhabi for so long is because there's these blocks of time when you could come back. And that was the soonest that you can go through, uh, back home to, to New Zealand. And one thing that you mentioned to me in the interview before the fight was, you know, I'm willing to do this. Of course, it will make the process after the fight 
a lot more manageable if I'm sitting on a win, right? And of course, it, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't go that way. Um, so, so overall, though, now you're saying it, it wasn't because I was. That's that's what like that was the first thing that I thought of when you I saw you lose was man. Now he has to stay home. Excuse me, stay in Abu Dhabi for or Dubai for a month. How was it in the early days of that process as you were kind of dealing? Because I'm sure the first thing you wanted to do was go home, right afterwards. Oh, that, I feel like that was a that was um, that was like a big part of my reaction to the fight. You know, as soon as as soon as the fight was over, like taking the gloves off in there, because I was just like, in that moment, then and there, I was I was this is a waste of time. That's what I was thinking in my head. I was thinking complete and utter waste of time. I came all this way, and I feel like I didn't even really get, I didn't even get in a fight. Is is from the way I felt. Um, but that's that's a funny way that life plays out. It doesn't always give you the 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 things that you want. Um, overall, I had a I had a great experience. Got to got to Fight Island. Had a had an amazing time in Dubai. Met some great people. Got some good training in. Some some good contacts. And and I'll definitely um, look to get back there in the future and 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 train there and get some more work. And so over, overall, positive experience. Um, hands down hands down positive experience it's, it's it's just funny how how life works out that way sometimes um and yeah the all the people there's there's people that have been saying oh you know you got knocked out wasted waste of time blah 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 like i feel like those are the kind of people that don't see the point in getting on a roller coaster that's <laughs> that's what the sport is every time you sign up for a fight every time you get over there you go through the experience it's like a roller coaster ride, man, and and it's uh, yeah. Overall, overall, you know, this is um, another step, another step forward for me. How long did it take for you to get over taking off the gloves and saying this isn't worth it, and then saying like, oh, of course, I'm going to continue fighting? How long was that grieving period, if you will? Um, I trained Monday. Okay, so I. <laughs> I mean, the fight was Sunday morning, right? So it was like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. not even a Sunday full day. Morning, Sunday morning, we were in uh, Abu Dhabi Fort. Uh, we got the boot from the hotel that afternoon. And we went to Dubai, got set up at our hotel. Yeah, and I was at the gym. I was at the gym Monday and, and I trained um, every day. Yeah, I was saying, I've said it. Uh, I was like, man, I'm going to drink my sorrows away. And I went to the, I went to the bar in Dubai. And it's uh, it's like super expensive to drink. It's like twenty dollars a beer. So I was like, oh man, I'm not. <laughs> I'm too tight. I'm too tight to drink my sorrows away. I'm going to the. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to training, man. <laughs> um, I, I'm assuming you've watched the fight. Oh, of course, of course. I've been tagging it a, <laughs> a million times. It's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's a beautiful shot. That's that's all I can say. You uh, caught with the. You know, it's my opinion, as I've said for a long time, a good chin is a myth. That's an absolute myth. There's just people, people that, that get hit in the chin. People, it's just a, it's just a perfect shot. Once you understand, like how the human anatomy works and how everything, everything ticks over, and it's just, it's just one of those things. Like I was hit a lot in in the previous fights, in the in the Poirier fight, in the Felder fight, but not not a, a shot like that. It's just the it was just a a perfectly placed, perfectly timed punch. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here, and guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. 
making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. All right, so that is crazy stuff. I don't know how he's going through it all. And honestly, I don't know how he's doing it with a smile, with a great perspective. I'm sure the whole experience would be a lot more tolerable if he was coming off a win. But man, I have so much respect for uh, Dan Hooker. And uh, the way he's doing this, I mean, it's it's pretty admirable. Uh, I, I feel anxiety just thinking about being, you know, locked away from my kids and, and being able to see them, but not hugging them. I mean, that has to be incredibly tough. Plus, his internet connection over there is really bad. I mean, you can't even you can't even play video games over there. How do you pass the time? I have no idea. Anyway, uh, shout out to Dan Hooker. Looking forward to his return. And uh, I love his perspective on his career and his record, all that stuff. If you want to listen to the entire interview, go check out the ESPN MMA YouTube page.com. We got everything over there, uncut, unedited. That's where you need to be if you want to watch these interviews. Speaking of ESPN MMA's YouTube channel, my full interview with Sage Northcutt is up right now. Like I said at the top, he's returning to action for the first time in almost two years on April 28th. One on TNT4, that's what they're calling these events. Uh, There's going to be four of them on TNT April 7th, 14th, 21st, 28th. He's a part of the final one against the Japanese MMA legend himself, Shinya Aoki. It's taking place at 170 pounds. And we haven't seen Sage since his brutal, vicious knockout loss to Cosmo Alexander back in May of 2019. Uh, First knockout loss, lost in 29 seconds suffered eight facial fractures. I mean, the pictures afterwards of him in the hospital were absolutely gruesome. What a nice guy. What a lovely young man. He's still just 24. It's amazing. It feels like he's been around for a long time, but still just 24 years old. I don't even think he can rent the car yet. Anyway, I spoke to him a little bit about his time in the UFC and also Dana White's comments after that loss, where he said, where Dana White said that Sage should retire, should retire after one knockout loss. And I was curious uh, what Sage thought of that, especially considering their their once close relationship. Here's a snippet of that conversation. When you first signed with UFC, obviously uh, you were a really big deal to them and Dana White was very invested in your story because you came from the Contender Series. When he said after the fight that he thought that you should retire and gave you props and said he really liked you but just didn't think this sport was for you, how did that make you feel? Well, I mean, that was only one fight. <laughs> So, I mean, you got to look at the last fights before that. I was on a, I think it was a three-fight win streak, a uh, three- or four-fight win streak. Not only that, I had gone up a weight class, and I knocked out my, my very last opponent in the UFC, along with winning the last two or three fights before that. So, um, I was on a win streak, and it was, just, it was just one fight. It just happened to be one fight, and I had an injury that I just healed up from. Everyone gets injuries sometimes. So, um, for me, I didn't really listen to that because, obviously, I'm no longer fighting with the UFC, so – uh, the UFC can, can say whatever they want or, uh, Mr. White can say something, uh, like he doesn't think I should fight again, but, uh, that's not the case. I mean, it was one fight. But isn't it crazy? I mean, you're 24 now back then, right. were you 22 or 23 at that point in May of 2019? Might, you know, I might've been 22. Yeah. Right. Okay. So 22, 23, you're so young right. in your career, people are writing you off after one knockout loss. 
it's a little mm. crazy, right? I mean, the, 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 the willingness to just jump off of someone's bandwagon, to your point, you were on a winning streak. I, I don't know. Do, are you the type that right. reads a lot of stuff? Like, did you let that get to you or are you able to block it out? No, no. Uh, I'm actually really good at blocking that kind of stuff out. But, but I do, sometimes I'll read stuff here and there, or hear something. I'm like, okay, yeah. So sometimes people have good advice or sometimes people say something. You're like, that doesn't even make sense. Like I won my last three fights or it was one fight. You could say that about anybody. Like literally um, you go watch Jose Aldo fight Conor McGregor and it gets knocked out in five seconds. Literally. I, I believe it was like the first five seconds of the fight. You could be like, oh, Jose Aldo, one of the best of all time. Ah, he should retire. He should never, ever fight again. Or you could say it about, T. Dillashaw, or you could say about, I mean, all these different people, like they're the best in the world, have have been beat sometime in their life or even beat super quick. And like, it doesn't matter if they're the best in the world or whatever. Me being younger, I have so much room to even get better. So for me, it didn't make sense, someone saying that. It's amazing, you know, as I was thinking about speaking to you for the first time in a while, your story was so much fun to cover when you came onto the scene in the UFC. And it's amazing to me that it was six years ago, 2015, Sage. I mean, holy smokes. Wow. You're, and you're still only 24. It's unbelievable wow. how young you were when you came in there. When you think back on that time and when you took everyone by storm and you, you, were, you were such a big draw and they were pushing you so hard, what's the difference in your mind between the Sage that I'm talking to today and the one from six years ago? Well, I mean, the only difference right now is that my last fight didn't go as planned. So uh, that's that's the only thing. But, you know, that's the past. That was that was my last fight. Now it's on to the next fight. So um, there's not any difference. If anything, I'm going to be be better and more prepared and uh, going to go out there better. It's like it's not like I'm going downhill. It was one fight lost and I'm not oh, going to yeah. go back up. So. And by the way, I wasn't implying that. I thought maybe oh, I know that. I'm a little wiser. I, I've matured a little bit. I've changed, oh, yeah, exactly. I've changed that. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've changed a little bit in the last six years, right? Right, right. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Mr. Helwani. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would agree with what you said. Like, uh, the amount of knowledge and stuff, um, getting, getting to go through something like that, uh, like talking about my last fight, getting to go through that and then overcome something like that, that's – that's a big thing that a lot of people will be too afraid to overcome or too afraid to get back out there or worried about something. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel like, feel like I've grown up. Also, I got married. So that kind of, that kind of, uh, is a little different too. <laughs> All right. So again, if you want to listen to that full conversation, go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel right now. Thank you very much to Sage, to Max, to Dan Hooker, to Dominic Cruz for their time. Got some other interviews coming up later this week as well. And of course, later this week, there is MMA action coming your way. We've got one championship back in action in Singapore. We also, of course, have the UFC back with a very interesting heavyweight main event. And I like that the heavyweights are in focus these days. So earlier in the month, we had Alexander Volk beating Alistair Overeem, of course, uh, last weekend, we had Derek Lewis defeating Curtis Blades. This weekend, we have Jarzinho Rosenstrike and his 11-1 and record. Remember, he got back on track against Junior Dos Santos a few months ago. He's going up against the undefeated Cyril Gain of France, who I think is a future title contender. The man is explosive. He is quick. He is young. He, he is powerful. He is fast. He's athletic. Everything you want to say about a young, up-and-coming heavyweight, this guy's got it. But it's a big test for him against Rosenstrike. He's never fought a guy as good as Rosenstrike. So that's an important fight. The winner could very well be next for 
uh, Derek Lewis, some other interesting names on the card. Angela Hill taking a fight on short notice against Ashley Yoder, uh, Alex Caceres, Montana De La Rosa, Nikita Krilov going up against Magomed Ankalaev. Always like watching Alexander Hernandez. He is fighting on the prelims. Canada's own Alexis Davis is back. Dustin Jacoby back as well. Prelims start at 5 p.m. Eastern. Main card is at 8 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, it is all only on the platform that Chill and I built, ESPN+. Plus. Before we go, we must end today's show on a proper note. And we end it on a bit of a bittersweet note because for those who have been listening to the Wednesday pod for uh, the last couple of years, you know that we would often have TST, our producer, Troy Farkas, at the end of the show to provide his minimalist tip of the week. He is a proud minimalist. I do believe the very first that I've ever encountered in my career. And when he started working on this podcast, he knew nothing about MMA. Now he's got hot takes for days. I mean, this guy won't shut up about MMA. He thinks he knows everything about everyone. And uh, he is just very confident in his knowledge. I regret to inform everyone that uh, this is his final week with us here at ESPN. He is moving on to, uh, to other endeavors, to greener pastures. He's got a lot of exciting things going on in his life. And so with this being his final time working on the show and his final week at ESPN, I thought it was only apropos to have one last minimalist tip of the week. And so without further ado, here we are. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. Ariel, thank you for the uh, the kind words. Yes, as you said, it is my last week at ESPN. And as I go forward in my life, the maybe the, the biggest thing that I will be focusing on that I would suggest anyone focus on is to reduce your wants. If you reduce your wants, your happiness will increase. As I go forward, there will be opportunities to go do things, whether it's maybe something for money or something for whatever else it is that drives you. What I have found is that whenever you want money or fame or notoriety, whatever it is that you're, you are after, oftentimes those are the wrong things to be after because we tell ourselves that if we don't get those things, then we'll never be happy, that we're not complete without those things. But in, in reality, we are all complete individuals right now, regardless of any of those things. And as my man, the Buddha once said, at the root of suffering is desire. So as I go forward here, I'm going to constantly be checking myself, you know, what do I really want? What am I really after? Do I really want this thing? Do I really want this opportunity? Is that really going to make me happy? Or am I just good the way I am? So as I go forward here, I'm just going to constantly be checking myself about reducing my wants because if you can just get to a point where you're not craving any of those perhaps superficial things, there's no way that you're going to be dissatisfied with your life. So that would be my suggestion to everyone out there. That is great advice. Uh, you have left us with a very strong final minimalist tip of the week. Of course, you're not um, ending your days as a minimalist. Just the, the tips are ending here on the program. I like how you uh, you name drop Buddha there. Was that Buddha, your guy Buddha that you, uh, you mentioned? That was impressive. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate everything that you've done uh, for us, for me, for this show. Uh, people don't realize how much you do behind the scenes, and I appreciate it, and I will miss you. I will ask you this as a uh, as a parting shot from me, favorite moment, because, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you knew nothing about MMA 
when you were assigned to work on this program. I mean, I don't even think you could have named maybe one guy, maybe a Conor McGregor, but I mean, your, your knowledge, pardon the pun, was as minimal as it gets. And, uh, and now, like I said, you're an Uber fan watching all the shows and even producing the radio shows that I would do prior to the pay-per-views. Of the time you were working on the show and, and, and finally got into MMA and, and now have uh, you know, fully immersed yourself in the sport, favorite moment of the past couple of years? Yeah, it's so funny that you say all that with my MMA fandom. The only people I'd heard of, you know, I'd heard of Ronda Rousey, heard of Conor McGregor, heard of Daniel Cormier, John Jones, but I wouldn't have necessarily been able to tell you that Daniel Cormier was a UFC fighter. I would have maybe said that he was a boxer. Uh, wow. I knew Ronda Rousey because I'm like, who's this girl that keeps winning all these ESPYs? So I knew her from that. So I remember walking the streets of Saratoga, New York, one night downtown. I said to a friend, I think Ronda Rousey's fighting tonight. Let's let's go to a bar and try to watch the Ronda fight. And it was, I forget who she ended up beating, but it was one of her just classic 20-second knockouts or whatever. And then when it comes to Conor McGregor, you know, since I've been watching him, he's one in three. And that's including the loss to Floyd. So I still don't quite see the big deal about Conor McGregor. So I know uh, you have said that, you know, watching his rise was maybe your favorite memory of uh, of this, of your time in the sport. I do not share that. But in terms of my favorite memory of working on this, I would have to say it is um, it is when we were in New York for UFC 244. And uh, so this was the, the BMF belt. Me and you, we did, along with Peter Rosenberg, did a radio show at this Irish bar or something uh, just a couple blocks away from Madison Square Garden. And that was just really fun just because it was just one of those interactive moments where you have people coming out to see you there. They were there to watch your live radio show in action before the fight. Think of all the bazillion things there were to do in New York City at that time. And they came to to spend the time with us and we got to interact with fans. That's That definitely stands out. And that was also my first fight ever that I'd ever, ever been to that night. And I was hanging out with Peter Rosenberg, watching the fights from, from up top. And that was a lot of fun. And I miss going to fights. I know you do as well. Uh, but it's something I, I definitely want to continue doing in my life. Yeah, you had a great run there. You went to 244, 245, and I think 246, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's a pretty amazing Colby run. And, uh, Colby and Usman. You saw Connor uh, oh, yeah. and Cerrone the following month. We did the live show in uh in las vegas which was huge and you were a big part of as well uh yeah that new york show was fun i i, I missed that even more so than the the actual events i missed the interaction with the fans the buzz beforehand the crazy you know uh people that want to take pictures and and talk to you and get your prediction like just all the stuff that makes being an mma fan fun i miss all of that as well and uh, i will miss you bud i appreciate everything that you've done uh i i am certain our our paths will cross again in the future. But for now, I bid you adieu. Thank you for all your great work. And uh, don't be a stranger, my friend. All right. So there, there is the one and only TST, who would like to say one last thing before I let him go. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. Again, you've been like everyone knows you're the GOAT. So thank you. It, it's been great working with you and the whole team. Shout out to New York Rick and Tessa and the whole crew in DC. It's been awesome. Uh, I do want to say one more thing, though. So I'm going out to Colorado mm. for the next couple months, and I need some friends to watch fights with. So if there's any listeners out here that are in the Denver area and want to invite me over for the two pay-per-views in March, hit us up. Find me on Instagram or what or Twitter or whatever, Troy underscore Farkas. Love to hang out. Yes. Uh, socially distanced, of course. 
Uh, is yes. it Troy under four, uh, underscore Farkas? On, yeah, on Troy underscore Farkas or my podcast, The Troy oh, Farkas okay. Show. Now you're just I talk I mean, about minimalist things. Now you're just yeah, plugging yeah. your podcast. Are you kidding me? All right. Uh, that is enough of you, TST. Thank you very much for everything. We appreciate you very much. We appreciate all our guests. As always, Sage, Dan Hooker, Dominic Cruz, Max Hallway. Thank you very much to them. And of course, I appreciate all you for continuing to rate download subscribe and review these things are very important believe it or not they seem inconsequential but uh, people who matter seem to care about them so thank you for continuing to do so and you know what you can leave your negative comments at home all right my mom once told me you don't have anything nice to say don't say it at all all right i don't want those comments all right i'm out of time back next week same time and place at a price i'm out of here